Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. And you were listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is another edition of Mailbag Monday, answering listeners submitted questions all episode long. There's a couple ways you can get involved. One, whenever you are thinking of a question, tweet at me at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Or watch this guys on Monday morning, about 9 a.m. Pacific time. I send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to that tweet. I'll answer them on the show. Or if you're not a Twitter user, we have revived the email. So you can email me at lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. That's lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com if you want to get on the email. Otherwise, tweet at me. Let's get it rolling. Mailbag Monday. This first question comes from Hotai Kim at Hotai underscore Kim 97 on Twitter. We're going to go a little long on this one because it is a wonderful hypothetical that deserves the space. Here's the question. Dame said in a podcast a couple weeks ago, if the team stayed intact with LaMarcus Aldridge, Wes Matthews, Nicholas Batum, Robin Lopez, and the development of CJ McCollum, Will Barton, and Alan Crabb, and possibly Myers Leonard, the team would have won a championship. Agree or disagree? First, let's go to the tape and hear what Dame had to say. LaMarcus had so much success, and then he decided to leave. Yeah. I know you're looking at it like, hey, we, we just need a few more pieces, and right. we good. When I look back on it, I just be like, damn. Because if me and him were to stay teammates and I can get to the level that I'm at now, I'm like, okay, we could we could have for sure got one. And then maybe we don't lose Batum, and we don't lose Wes, and we got CJ, we, we got had CJ. Will Barton. Alan Crabb, yeah, we yeah. had it to, to do it. We just needed to just stay just together. Our very first playoff against Houston, in game one, he had like 46 and 18. <laughs> that, and he serious. fouled out. Yeah, that's serious. He was having some crazy. Yeah, he was killing. Yeah. And this is my first playoff game. And I ended up with like 30 and seven and something. I finished the game off. So yeah. it's like we could have had a lot of those situations where it's like when you go down or when you step out, I'll take it over. That audio is courtesy of the Knuckleheads podcast with Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson. Double forehead tap for those two guys. But I think this is one of the great what-ifs, this this whole scenario that Dame and uh, Hotai Kim have both proposed. So I think the biggest part of this hypothetical that we have to kind of suss out is the the maybe the biggest what-if of the last decade for the Blazers is what if Wes Matthews doesn't get injured. When he got hurt in March of 2015, the Blazers had the third best record in the Western Conference. They went on to lose in the first round of the playoffs. The Warriors won the title in June. It would be the first of their three titles in four seasons. The Warriors were beginning a dynasty that year, but they hadn't quite established it yet. And the Blazers looked like one of the teams that could have challenged them. They were really, really good. That summer... The summer of 2015, LaMarcus Aldridge decided to leave for San Antonio. Wes Matthews, fresh off the Achilles injury, signed a massive deal with the Dallas Mavericks. The Blazers traded Nick Batum to Charlotte, and they let Robin Lopez sign a big deal with the Knicks. What Hotai Kim is asking and what Dane kind of proposed in that audio you just heard is, what if they didn't? In fact, maybe even further, the question supposes that perhaps the Blazers... Don't trade Will Barton at the deadline in 2015. Instead, move forward with their core that they put together in the summer of 2013. That's the year they drafted CJ McCollum and kind of had the crew intact. 
So for this expanded hypothetical, let's allow that the Aaron Aflalo trade never happened. Will Barton, T-Rob, and I guess Victor Colver, if you're into it, are still on the team. So that would mean that the Blazers' core heading into the 2015-2016 season is Dame, Wes, Nicholas Batum, Lamarcus Aldridge, Robin Lopez, CJ McCollum, Will Barton, Steve Blake, Alan Crabb, Chris Kamen. That's a pretty solid 10-man core. And the question, I guess, that we're asking or attempting to answer here is would the Blazers have won a championship? Dame thinks they would have gotten at least one. And I would like to shorten the timeline because I think the Blazers had a very narrow window to be a legitimate championship team. If you rewind the clock enough and you say Wes Matthews didn't get injured, that expands the hypothetical enough where they would have had two full years to compete. Uh, But let's assume that West still gets injured, and they come back in 2016. West is ready by opening night. They've got this core. They've got all this money locked up. They've got this group in basically under contract through the 2019 season. This is a 50-win team, a perennial one of the best teams in the West. But for me, they have one year to do it. That 2015-16 season is the year that the Warriors decided, basically, that they were going to win 73 games. They were going to prove that after beating LeBron and the Cavs without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love, they were going to prove that it was no fluke, that they were not only the best team in the NBA, but they were one of the best teams of all time. So they ripped off 24 straight wins to open the season. They went 73-9. and They ended up meeting the Blazers in the playoffs that season. The Blazers played them pretty tough. So what this supposes is that the Blazers have a much better player on the roster. Instead of Al-Faruq Aminu, the Blazers are rolling out an all-star in LaMarcus Aldridge. The best players in the NBA. One of the best players in the position in the league, no doubt about it. I'm not 100% sure the Blazers beat that Warriors team. They were really good. But I will tell you what, if, if everything else in this hypothetical goes the same way, and that the Blazers face the Warriors in the second round with a not 100% Steph Curry and and him not even available until Game 4 of the series, I think the Blazers have a very, 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 say it again, very good chance of springing an all-time great upset. This also supposes that the bracket is the same and all those things, but I don't want to get too deep down this hypothetical. The question really is, are the Blazers, with this core... Better than the 2016 Warriors, and I would say they are close. If they're not better, they might be a much better matchup. They can go small with uh, either Barton or Batum playing in sort of a small ball four and guarding Harrison Barnes. I'm not worried about that position. LaMarcus Holdridge can play a ton of center. They can roll out Wes and Damon CJ. They can uh, bring in a second ball handler with Steve Blake. They can try to win post-up battles against Anderson Verjao and Festus Azili with Chris Kamen and Robin, Robin Lopez. They have weapons. I won't say for certain the way Dame does because Dame has a certain level of confidence that I just simply don't possess. But I think the Blazers have a really good chance that summer or that, that year. Uh, why I say that it's such a small window? Because in the summer of 2016, Kevin Durant leaves and obviously... Under this expanded hypothetical, we're assuming that it happens, things happen sort of the same way. I don't think it always plays out that way. I think one of the interesting things about this hypothetical is that uh, maybe the Blazers are really good. And 
perhaps they beat the Warriors or perhaps Kevin Durant doesn't um, lose in the same, the Thunder don't lose in the same fashion because the Warriors, because the playoff bracket changes a little bit. But let's just assume that in the summer of 2016, even in this weird uh, hypothetical space that we're in, Kevin Durant still leaves and joins the Warriors. That core that the Blazers have is very, very, very good, but it's not as good as that those Warriors team would be over the next three seasons. I I don't think anyone was, really. I I mean, maybe those LeBron Cavs teams had a chance, but they kind of got punked in the in in the finals. Uh, the the obviously the Houston Rockets were relatively close with what I would argue is probably a worse roster than this Blazers one we've created hypothetically, but I'm just not sure if you get the that Warriors team, that unfairly stacked Warriors team with real focus against a real foe that they don't win. I have a hard time picking them. So I think the Blazers have one chance at it. Dame thinks they would have certainly got one. I think they would have had a really good chance in the 2016 playoffs to win, to be a champion, to play in the championship, to face LeBron James in the championship. I think there's no doubt about it. So uh, while I'm not as confident as Dame, I'm certainly confident enough to say that we'll get there. And that, Hotsai Kim, is a long-winded answer to a wonderful hypothetical you proposed. I appreciate it. Move on to the second segment, answering more of your questions. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all about my bookie. Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at my bookie aren't going to let you down. Stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with my bookie. Video poker's not your thing, but you still need a fix. They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on site, 24-7. But if you still want to bet on some games, some real competition, MyBookie has you covered there too. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action, straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can even wager on political races. MyBookie's got it all. You can trust the injury leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. So visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive $150 cash on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. All right. Still Mailbag Monday. Let's keep it rolling with more of your questions. This next one comes from Matthew at Reverend Romulus on Twitter, who asks, What do you feel the most likely outcome is at this point for the NBA season? Short number of remaining games, straight into the playoffs, play-in tournament, season completely canceled, other... I think the NBA ownership, the people in charge, the people who make the have the most to gain and most to lose off the league, I think they're going to hold out and try to play a game, but there is a timing, there is there is just a timing challenge which makes me think the most likely solution is some sort of straight to the playoffs with maybe a, a like a a, fa- a faux preseason. Uh 
Short number of remaining games seems unlikely. Uh, maybe they try to do that to keep uh, to get revenue for all 30 teams, allow them to play a couple more home games, make some money. But just the timing thing, you've got to steal days back to make this happen in order to get your next season in. You're going to have to have some sort of offseason at some point, some sort of draft at some point, and then restart the season. If you're playing the playoffs deep into maybe even September, you're really crowding next year, and they're not going to just make the next NBA season a a 12-month thing. They'll probably have to delay the start of it until, I don't know, Christmas or something like that. So best bet on this, Rev, is that we go straight into the playoffs, and then there's maybe some other minor tournament. In fact, Hotai Kim, who asked a wonderful question that kicked off our whole first segment, also asked this. Reports of of if the NBA resumed, the top eight teams of each conference will play in the playoffs and the bottom eight of each conference will play for the number one pick in the draft. Your thoughts? So this has, I don't know if this has been reported as a real thing. I did see it floated by the Athletics' David Aldridge. Um, I'm not sure he was reporting it as much as saying this is, an, this is something they should consider. Uh, perhaps I read the article wrong. So if he's reporting that the NBA is considering it, my bad. But in any case, I like that idea. I love the idea. Um, it would, I, I don't think, I think it's, you're better off just starting the playoffs, giving guys a little preseason to get their wind back and then just starting the playoffs. That would mean the Blazers are out. But it would mean the Blazers get in to this uh, play-in tournament for the top pick or for, if it's not the top pick, maybe it's better odds at a top three pick or something like that. Uh, I really like that idea. And you'd have to think that the Blazers would be among the, you know, they're already right on the cusp, right? I think they'd be among the best teams in that tournament. Uh, them and New Orleans, maybe maybe San Antonio and Phoenix. Not mentioning any Eastern Conference teams because I'm a non-believer. But, but I do think the Blazers would be among the best teams in that play-in tournament. And I think it would be extremely fun. So yeah, I'm all for it. Next question comes from Jason Reyes at Jason underscore Reyes underscore on Twitter. Don't forget the second underscore. Who asks? I usually trust Olshay when it comes to the draft, particularly when it comes to second rounders. But what do you think have been some of his worst draft decisions since he started with the Blazers? Okay, I think his worst draft pick with the Blazers is Caleb Swanigan. But let me say that I think the obvious one that everyone wants to point to is uh, Myers Leonard. And while I don't think Myers Leonard was a particularly good draft pick, I have trouble truly critiquing that pick because the 2012 draft didn't exactly have a ton of stars behind him. Right after Myers, Jeremy Lamb, who would obviously be a better NBA player, but I don't know if he's a better fit on the Blazers. Kendall Marshall, no. John Henson, probably a better NBA player than Myers Leonard, but not, like, exciting. Go Tar Heels, though. Maurice Harkless, uh... Same thing, like better than Myers Leonard, but does does he like drastically change the route of the franchise? No. And then the rest of this draft is just a nightmare. Um, I'm not going to come after Neil for missing out on Draymond Green and Chris Middleton in the 2012 draft because the Golden State Warriors took two players ahead of Draymond Green, the team that kind of quote-unquote knew about Draymond, drafted Harrison Barnes and Festus Azili first, and the team that drafted Chris Middleton, the Detroit Pistons later traded him to the Milwaukee Bucks. So, like, I'm not coming. Myers was, the mistake with Myers was giving him more money. It was not, um, 
it was not the draft pick itself. So I think the worst draft pick is Caleb Swan again, and here's why. The Blazers picked him 26th. 27th was Kyle Kuzma. 28th was Tony Bradley. Kyle Kuzma, significantly better. Tony Bradley, definitely better. Derek White went 29th. Definitely better. Doesn't help the Blazers, but definitely a better NBA player. 30th was Josh Hart, a better NBA player. In the second round, just guys you also could have had if you don't go Swan again. Uh, Shemi Ojale, a better player than Caleb Swanigan. Jordan Bell, I'm not a fan of Jordan Bell, but he's probably better than Caleb Swanigan. Thomas Bryant looks like a better NBA player than Caleb Swanigan. Dylan Brooks is a better NBA player than Caleb Swanigan. Monty Morris is a better NBA player than Caleb Swanigan. There were just a number of guys you could have drafted other than Caleb, who seems like a really nice dude, but is not very good at NBA basketball. So that's those are my critiques of Neil's draft picks. I think the Caleb one was the biggest whiff. This next question comes from NBA Discussion at VVV2306301. NBA Discussion, I want you to update your Twitter handle to something that's easier to say on the podcast. In any case, your question is, is Trevor Ariza a long-term piece or will he be used for a trade? I'm going to say neither one. He is neither a long-term piece or will he be used for a trade. Here's why you can't trade him. He has a $20 million contract that is partially guaranteed. But if you trade him for prior to the guarantee date... Uh, the other team can't cut him and get the savings. There's a loophole in the CBA that just he his 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 money becomes guaranteed upon the trade. So he doesn't really do that other team much value unless they want his expiring twenty million dollar contract. So I guess you could use him to take on more money, but that doesn't seem necessarily will get that could happen but i don't think that that's like really sexy in terms of um in terms of value and is he a long-term piece can't be that long term my guy's 35 years old uh clock's ticking uh, i think he's a valuable piece i think he plays on the team next year and is a real contributor i think he starts at small forward while rodney hood works his way back into shape i think he can play a little bit of four i think ariza has been a really nice fit for the blazers but He's neither a sexy trade piece nor a long-term piece. He's just a dude who will be on the team. Next question comes from Ryan at rconnell27 on Twitter who asks, What are the chances of drafting Zygamontis Sabonis, 28-year-old center? Seems on brand for the Blazers. Also, I did zero research on this. Sabonis jerseys are are just way overpriced in this economy or lack thereof. Ryan, I'm not sure I understand the jersey comment, but if you want a Sabonis jersey... You save up or something, or ask ask a, a rich relative, or I don't know. Start start playing scratchers. Actually, that's all bad advice. Um, don't spend your money on clothes right now. Just hold on to it close. You might need it. Uh, okay, the drafting though of Ziggy Sabonis, who's the uh, an older brother of Demontis Sabonis and the son of Via Sabonis, is to my knowledge impossible. I might be reading this wrong, but I believe Ziggy was. Draft eligible in 2013, which means he was draft eligible again in 2018, which means he would have to come to the U.S. via free agency. So what are the chances that the Blazers signed 28-year-old center Ziggy Sabonis? Incredibly, incredibly slim, right? Like, extremely slim. Seems like it would be on brand for the Blazers. Does it? Is Ziggy like a springy white American? Is he a 20-year-old project who was like... Uh, not a particularly highly coveted college prospect, a la C.J. Dame and Anthony Simons. Yeah, I don't. I think you're confused about what the Blazers' brand is. It's on brand for Blazer fandom, and certainly not. But I don't think it's on brand for the decision makers. Next question comes from Tommy at 
Tomas Tomas Aransky on Twitter, who asks, Jalen Horde seems like a smart, talented player with versatile inside game. What are the odds we bring him back on a long-term contract? None. I'd say there's 0% chance that, that Jalen Horde is back on a long-term contract. Outside chance, he's back on a one-year minimum deal. Um, the Blazers don't have his bird rights, but he is a restricted free agent. That's the way that two-way deals work, so they could go over the cap to sign him. Um, I, I kind of liked Jalen Horde, but at the end of the year, Jalen Horde was not around, and the Blazers were rolling with Wenyan Gabriel in his place. Um, I, I think you can just kind of see the decision-making. Uh, I think Horde ends up being an NBA player, if I had to guess, but I don't think he's an NBA player for the pinwheels. Uh, next question. This is kind of related to the... Uh, to the first question in the first segment, but Lincoln from Gmail. See, some people use the email, including Lincoln, who asks, if you could bring your dream starting roster with the Blazers that have been key players from the team from 2005 to now, what would your team look like? And Lincoln's would be Dame, Wes Matthews, Brandon Roy, Marcus Aldridge, Yusuf Nurkic, agree or disagree, and how do you think this team would stack up in today's NBA? Uh, I think this team would have a chance to win a championship. Uh, I, I want to say that I think CJ McCollum has, has, is a better basketball player than Wes Matthews, but for the specific roster, I think Wes is pretty valuable. Um, you're going to need a perimeter defender with Damon B-Roy, and Wes really helps there. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge at his peak was really, really fantastic, perhaps underrated. Nurk at full health, um, y'all know, I think he was one of the 30 or so best players in the league, 30 best players in the NBA last year. He's really, really, really good. Um, I think that's right. I think you picked the right five. Um, how would they stack up against today's NBA? I think this would be a team that would be one of the three best teams in the league. I'm, I'm not 100% sure they beat the Lakers in the playoffs just because who's going to guard LeBron James for 44 minutes? I mean, Wes maybe, but after that, um, I still think they're missing that that defensive force. Um, they would be a really good defensive team, though, with, with LA and Nurk. So they would, they would be able to to guard the rest of the Lakers pretty well. So maybe they they, they certainly would have a chance to make the finals. Um, same thing when they get to the finals. I'm not sure exactly who guards Giannis, but this would be one of the very good teams. Uh, at worst, the third best team in the NBA and, and a very good chance to win the whole dang thing. All right, third segment. Let's come back, close out the episode strong with more of your questions. Okay. Still... Pass first point guard. Still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Still Mailbag Monday. Let's keep it rolling. This next question comes from Jeff from Gmail. Another person who uses the email. Shout out to Jeff. Jeff asks, Which are you relieved about? Not having to watch your Tar Heels in the ACC tournament or the Blazers down the stretch? Here's the thing. Before sports were shut down, UNC lost in the ACC tournament. They got absolutely smoked by Syracuse, one of my most hated coaches in all of sports, Jim Beheim. No real reason. I just I just don't like Jim Beheim. I don't have a good reason for it. I, sometimes you don't like guys. That's how fandom works. Um, yeah, Carolina already lost. Their season ended. It was sad. I watched you know every second of their year. It was a real bummer. So that one's over. So I guess I'm more relieved about watching the Blazers down the stretch. Although I don't really have much of an emotional connection to them, and I really enjoy the NBA. So I guess I'm 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 glad that I didn't have to deal with um, having the Carolina not even be good enough to make the NIT. So that I'm, I'm I'm relieved for that. Okay, next question. And this I've got to caution you, dear listeners. Uh, 
we are at a point where the third segment of these mailbags really goes off the rails. Everyone's getting wild. Um, so it's from here on out, things get a little bit strange. Stick with me. You'll probably enjoy it. Matthew at Reverend Romulus asks, please cast the original Star Wars using only people related to the NBA. Uh, if you'll recall early in the episode, Matthew asked me a bummer question about whether the NBA would come back, and I said maybe not. So I requested that he give me a fun one, and this is what he gave me. Here's what I give to you, Matthew. Luke Skywalker will be played by Damian Lillard. Princess Leia, his sister and balance of the force will be played by Tim Frazier. They're pals, like brothers. You'll enjoy it. Great on-screen chemistry. You'll enjoy the uh, the back and forth. Han Solo will be played by Evan Turner. Obi-Wan will be played by Damian Lillard's mentor. And I don't know who that is, but I'm going to say it's Gary Payton, a Oakland-born point guard who heavily influences Dame. I don't know. Stick with me on this one. C-3PO will be played by Brooke Lopez, Chewbacca, Robin Lopez, R2-D2, Alan Crabb. Alan Crabb, who's famously never said any words out loud, is perfect for a robot with no lines. And Darth Vader will be played by James Harden, known villain, probably bad at acting, would be better with a mask on, just breathing heavily, because mostly when he talks, it's boring, or he's mean to Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's probably not great casting. You can do better. Tweet at me following the same format. Okay, next question comes from Logan Gillis, at Logan Gillis on Twitter, who asks, Recast the main characters from Blue Chips with Blazers players and coaches or team staff. Which Blazers reporter would be Ed O'Neill? Okay, everyone wants me to recast movies now. I'm just recasting films. That's what I do? That's what I do during these times? And guess what? Yeah, it is what I do. Logan, let's do it. Okay, um... Blazers players playing Neon Bordeaux, originally played by Shaquille O'Neal. That will be played by Carmelo Anthony. They originally wanted to get Damian Lillard, but he had to play Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars reboot featuring NBA players. So it's Mello will be playing Neon Bordeaux. Butch McRae, originally played by Anthony Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, will be played by CJ McCollum. Ricky Rowe will be played by Yusuf Nurkic. Coach Pete Bell will be played by Blazers assistant coach Dale Osborne. Um, Those are really good choices. If you haven't seen the film, I recently saw Blue Chips for the first time at the urging of Logan. So, Logan, thanks for sending me in this direction so I could recast this movie perfectly. Uh, Osborne would be a great sort of um, didn't want to cheat, emotionally scarred by his decision-making coach. Uh, He'd be perfect. Yusuf Nurkic has Ricky Rowe. he, he's, I mean, he literally is a giant country basketball player. He just happens to be from rural Bosnia. Um, CJ as Butch McRae. Honestly, that character couldn't be more CJ McCollum. Uh, Neon is questionable, but listen, they wanted Dame. They couldn't get him. They got Carmelo Anthony. And who would play the Ed McNeil character? Uh, I, I kind of think it would have to be Jason Quick. He's sort of this like the, the dominant uh, media figure in the Blazers circle. But you will note that Ed McNeil doesn't really do anything. Like his character doesn't, he, he does some research, but he doesn't really solve it. Like it, the story kind of falls in his lap. So I'm going to be that. I'm going to play that character. Yeah, that's right. Me. I'm Ed McNeil. That's, um, bet that's not uh, how you saw that going. So uh, yeah, I'm in blue chips now. I'm making money. Got a side gig. Next question comes from Randy Powell at RandyPowell625 on Twitter who asks, Would you rather fight 50 10-year-old sized Anthony Simons or a bear-sized Yusuf Nurkic that had sharks for arms? 
I mean, Randy, this is not hard. Give me the 50 10-year-olds. One of them is Yusuf Nurkic, who is the size of a bear and has shark for, sharks for arms. I'm what? Come on now! I'll fight a bunch of fifth graders, who for whatever reason are Anthony Simons's. Yeah, that's who I'm, that, that's easy for me. I'm not even considering the bear with shark arms and Nurkic on this one. Next question comes from Douglas Holstrom, Dougie Froth on Twitter, who asks, "Did you watch Tiger King yet? If so, did Carol feed her husband to the tigers?" Uh. As of this recording, I have not finished this show. And I want to... Spoilers, okay? There's going to be some spoilers here. So if you haven't watched Tiger King, congratulations for remaining above the zeitgeist. Um, Smash that 15-second ahead skip button and you'll get the next question. But I'll say this, Douglas. Yes. She absolutely did. All right, next question comes from Logan Gillis. Actually, we've reached the point of the episode that is now the Logan Gillis corner because Logan sent three insane questions to finish out the show. So we're going to close it off with uh, some Logan-sponsored content. Logan asks, Prime Sabonis, Prime Sabonis versus Prime Walton, one-on-one, who you got? We already know that mid-30s Sabonis would have kicked the, we'll say it, kicked the shit out of mid-30s Walton. Um, Prime Walton? I'm going to say, I know Prime Sabonis is like a, uh, the most hallowed figure in Blazer history because he really was the best player in Europe and he could have come over here, but Prime Walton was the best player in the NBA. He was better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who's one of the 10 best players in the history of the game. So I'm taking Prime Walton. Um, sue me. Next one from Logan, at Logan Gills on Twitter, who asks... Why is Clyde Drexler whack? Is he just salty that he never won a ring in Portland or what? So yeah, Drexler, I said on a podcast that came out on Monday, the retro rewatch of Game 5 of the 1990 NBA Finals, that basically Drexler like, just doesn't align with the Blazers organization. I assume that's what Logan is, is referencing. Um, you know, Drexler didn't come to the 90s night. He just like isn't around. He doesn't. He's not around the, the team very often. Um, I guess, you know, he... Went to college in Houston. I think that he just he he feels more akin to that area. He won a championship with the Rockets. I think that helped him feel more connected to to the team. I don't know. I, I think the Blazers in general, and I can't really speak to the specifics. I think prior to this group that is in charge of the team now, maybe didn't always do a good job of making team alumni feel welcome. Uh, I think they've done a terrible job with sort of the quote unquote jail Blazers era. Like I think they've I think they've done a really poor job keeping those guys feeling connected to the team, and I think Drexler might be in a similar boat. Last question of the show from Logan again, at Logan Gills on Twitter. Probably shouldn't have pimped out your tweet your Twitter handle that hard, but that's that's what you got. Uh, asks rookie year Cliff Robinson or current Anthony Tolliver one on one who you got? Uh, Cliff Robinson by a mile. Cliff Robinson was legitimately very good. And Anthony Tolliver was, A, never as good as Cliff Robinson, and B, is now 35 years old. So, yeah, Cliff Robinson was, even as a youngster, was a, a better basketball player. That's going to do it for this episode of Mailbag Monday. I love Mailbag Monday. And I really appreciate all of you who contribute. Those of you who listen each week, those of you who send in questions each week, 
It's what makes this so special and so rewarding for me. I love the I love the stupid questions. I love the earnest questions all the same. Thanks so much for submitting them. And thanks so much if you don't submit questions for tuning in each week. If you got me in your ears or on your speakers, I appreciate you. If you want to get involved, you know how to do it. At Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Either send me a tweet whenever you're thinking about it or wait for Monday morning when I send out a tweet soliciting your questions. Or email me at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. We'll keep these rolling. The NBA season might be gone for now. My Locked on Blazers and Mailbag Monday isn't going anywhere. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.